Welcome to Block Runners. I'm Professor K, the Shanghaipreneur. And I'm Digi B, podcast boss. On this show, we're going to highlight the good and call out the bad in blockchain so you can well prepare for the inevitable future. Hey, Block Runners, this is our first show, and we're super excited to get going, especially since today we get to introduce our third and final host, Mr. Low, Mr. Low Blockchain Dev. Otherwise known as Amal Sudama, and Amal, Nick, and I have known each other for a number of years now, dating back to our Beijing Ren days, and have come full circle now onto this show about blockchain, all being reconnected by this wonderful emerging technology. Nick, why don't you explain why it's so important that we have Amal as a resident talent on this show? Yeah, what I really think is that. When it comes to blockchain, we don't get enough from the development side. And in fact, the development side is what is creating the stuff behind the screen, if you will, if you want to use a Wizard of Oz reference. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Um, I personally don't know enough about development, and I work for a blockchain company. And Chris. I don't know how much you know about development. You know anything? I'm all up in that dev. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, and basically, I think it's it's very important to get a perspective of、uh, someone from a coding perspective because、uh, a lot of times you may think that blockchain development has been going on for a long time, but in fact, what we're seeing now is developers turning from what they used to do, whether it be making apps. Or coding for their company, or making spreadsheets, or doing、um, you know C plus plus or whatever. To do it live. Now they're going to do it on the blockchain. And、uh, what we hope to capture with Amal on the show is his journey from、uh, knowing a little bit and being a little bit dangerous in the blockchain world to actually being fully cognizant and fully aware of, of the change that he is ringing. I like to call it a、world. sexpert. And a blockchain sexpert. Shouldn't it be a dexpert? A dexpert? He's a decentralization expert. Ooh, I like that even better.、Uh, how do you decentralize the world? Well, that's what developers are here to do for us. And so we have、uh, Amal, who will be chiming in from that perspective. And we're going to apologize ahead of time. Sometimes we're going to call Amal Marcus because. A lot of people have trouble for whatever reason with names, and so he went by Marcus a lot in Beijing when we knew him back then. And so I have a bad habit of calling him Marcus, and I will do that from time to time. So you'll hear me say Marcus. When I say Marcus, I mean them all, and really I mean Mr. Low. So Mr. Low, let's kick this off.、Uh, we're going to ask you a series of questions, and we're going to try to keep it short.、Uh, at least your answers. I know we're going to probably. Wax poetic too much,、uh, more than needed. First off, what were you doing when you first realized that blockchain was something that could potentially change the world? I had come across this concept of blockchain. I read the Bitcoin paper, and I had to stew on it for a while because there were some things in there, data structures that were really cool. From a developer's point of view, I didn't really grasp it or see how it could go. For me, it was like, oh great,、uh, I can have an alternative 
to PayPal. And at that time, one of the things I disliked about utilizing Bitcoin is that your money goes in and it's an awfully long time to get back. And you were beholden to certain rules that they, they enforced to be part of their platform. Well, what were you doing professionally at the time when you realized that Bitcoin could some potentially change the world? Yeah, why did you even pick up that paper? I was in Beijing and someone told me there were some interesting data structures in it. So I wanted to see for myself, uh, specifically the Merkle tree um, and the concept of creating hashes of hashes. It, it was interesting and geeky stuff for me. Um, you said Merkle tree. What What is a Merkle tree and can I eat it? No, sadly you can't eat it. <laughs> a Merkle tree is, is a data structure a data structure that allows you to add information to this data structure slash container in a way that anyone can easily determine determine if it's been modified. So that's a unique um, property of a data structure. It can get as large as it can, but to verify its uh, immutability is something that is very cost efficient and very quick. All right. And um, what made you realize that blockchain could potentially change? What was it about that white paper that made you go, huh, this could be... I mean, because it's only like 10 pages long. Paradigm shifting. What's so revolutionary about this 10-page white paper everyone's talking about? Well, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't see the revolution of it other than, oh, wow, we can transfer value. Anyone uh, can pseudonymously transfer value from one, from one person to another. And that was great. Uh, you didn't have to rely on, interme- rely on intermediaries like PayPal or international banks or whatever. You could say, hey, here's some value. Do what you want with it. And I saw things like, you know, I could send money to somewhere where Western Union wouldn't be the best. You know, people would have to walk around with cash, but here's something that they could walk around in some electronic format. But it didn't really dawn on me how revolutionary that was. The revolution was going to come when people start utilizing it as an alternative form of value transfer and um, some some point of value uh, transaction, that's the right word, value store. So when you got in, like, interested in it, and you said, okay, this, this could be, there's just some potential here, yes. did you actually use it, or did you just enjoy the theory of it? Well, I enjoyed the theory, and I played around with mining <laughs> while I was in Beijing. Uh, nothing spectacular, just to get a feel for the environment. When when it did start make an impact for me was when I learned about Ethereum. The idea of smart contracts, now that's something I started to wrapping my head around. Because smart contracts opened the possibilities. We could go to creating a better voting system. We could incorporate it into logistics to be able to follow products from the moment they were created down the supply chain um, to the consumer. In case something goes wrong, 
we have a better way to backtrack the system and see when something bad was introduced or something good was introduced. But it gives us a very good way to study what it is we do. And that studying is a really important part because everything we do as human beings is experimental. You live and you learn. And to be able to look at what you did and categorize it and say, this is the good, this is the bad, here's how we can do better, or here's how we can cover our ass. You know, those are all important things to be able to have to improve. And that's what Block Runners is all about. Nick, what's the next question? So you're talking about use. And do we really, have we really seen much use of the Bitcoin blockchain at all? The Bitcoin blockchain, I can't really say there's much use to it, but it is the granddaddy of blockchain. They, they have done some things that opened the door for other things like Ethereum. You know, Vitalik Buterin came along and said, oh, transferring value, that's great. But how about we add some sort of contingent upon it before I transfer this value, you have to meet these conditions or these conditions have to be met. And that opens up a whole set of possibilities because now you have state and preconditions upon transfer of value or tokens. So about five years after blockchain was invented by Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, Vitalik Buterin came along and made Ethereum. And you talked about smart contracts, which are unique to his blockchain. Um, and you talked about logistics as a potential use case for that blockchain. But do you see any other industries that could benefit from smart contracts in addition to sure. logistics and supply chain? Um, and besides the initial you know, financial systems that Satoshi was targeting with the Bitcoin blockchain, what other industries are there out there? Well, I think any, any, any industry where you have trust and you have intermediaries, they can look at blockchain. For example, the legal profession. Contracts can be well-known. You can formalize a lot of contracts. And there are certain things like notary publics that can move to the blockchain. Attestation can move. Um, what is it? Uh, digital identities, which is something that should be explored and researched more. Um, that would be great. You know, it would be wonderful if there was an app and you needed to be a professor or a PhD of something to be able to interact with it, interact with it at a certain level. Well, how do you prove that? If universities were able to attest for you and say, Professor K is a PhD in uh, economics. Uh, he is eligible for participation at a, at a, per, a particular level. Um, just That's just one example. So then I can uh, join the blockchain voting. if I have the right token to, to be a verifier. Yes, someone could attest for you by giving you that right token. Mm-hmm. Um, also, but is that something? How does that change the world, though? Well, now we we live in this really dubious time of propaganda, where anyone can come and say anything, and 
the number of followers followers determines their truthiness and you know someone with a million followers on twitter may not be that expert or if i Even pay a million people to have my them. link propagated a hundred times then somehow i'm more right than the person who didn't or couldn't afford to pay to have that link propagated a hundred times why are you interested in blockchain now? You talked about, you know, what got you interested in it and, you know, what are some interesting aspects and what are some first kind of applications of it? But what really interests you about blockchain now? Well, this is a long question, a long answer, Chris, and I can't speak for why others would be motivated in this manner, but for me it's personal. And you Okay, great. Okay. So, I, as you know, took a deep dive of the American medical system when we came over here. Specifically, the, the small cancer branch and the hair. How are we going to pay for this branch? And what I saw was a lot of inefficiencies, to put it politely. Um... There's a lot of redundancy, a lot of stupidity, and a lot of ignorance around healthcare in the United States. It's a touchy subject. Subject. There are many, many people involved currently in the system that it is, and were it to change, they would be displaced workers. Um, so that's another had, industry. That's another industry, yeah. But for me, this is what motivated uh, So there was that. And I did some volunteer work with New York where we wanted to make the system better. We wanted to take a system that was based on a magazine publication model and bring it to Web 2.0 where information could be consumed by humans and computers. And it was geo-encoded. That would allow people to have better smart cities or be in be notified or informed of what's happening in their municipality and we had to fight a lot of old guard protectionism oh we don't want that too many people are going to know jobs are not going to be protected it was just really disheartening when i read about smart contracts and the ability for creating a better voting system where people could vote and the votes are tied to a human being through uh, identity, uh, your citizenship within a municipality. Those are problems we can solve. And that's something I would like to see happen. I would love to see a blockchain per municipality where everything that happens from a municipal point of view is stored on that blockchain, blockchain and it could be reviewed, studied, reported on in a way that's more transparent than the system we have now. And that's so just... So I like it. So efficiency and justice, what I'm hearing from you, are, are two key things that uh, you think blockchain can contribute to socially. Nick, why don't we uh, keep this so running? The We're recording this today on one of the days where Ripple's market cap exceeds Ethereum's market cap. And what I'm hearing from you that it's really important that we create a city blockchain. And to me, that sounds like a very centralized blockchain. 
And a lot of people don't like Ripple because they say, oh, it's not a cryptocurrency because it's too centralized to be that. It's much better to be Bitcoin or Ethereum because it's fully decentralized, which is, of course, debatable. Um, but so how important is this centralization issue? I mean, especially in the use case you just described, it, it, it seems to me a city would want to have centralized control over its blockchain. How would that get implemented uh, in terms of the decentralization and centralization debate? So... I hear I hear your point about the centralization decentralization argument, but the blockchain could still be on the Ethereum main chain, or there could be another main chain that's for the United States, where it's a municipality blockchain that's run by the federal government, or maybe even the state, and the state is responsible for being the miners of that, and they have to. They have to do it in a way that is respectful of the decentralized nature and continue to keep that trust up. And for municip municipalities, they can have a system of their own off-chain data where the data is stored, but it is referenced in the blockchain that, th that they would utilize and they would have control over their data. But the transactions would be stored on this other chain. So some, somehow um, that we're gonna have third party participants to verify this data, which maybe uh, what's to prevent people, like if I am on the New York City blockchain and I'm trying to oversee the New York C City medical system and if, then I have some California people who own the coins and they're verifying it, is that necessarily fair, or how how would we code well, this so that we just can verifying, trust and fairness? They're just verifying transaction. They don't know what it means. They're just knowing this is the state of the current blockchain. Uh, here's a function you're going to run. Verify that the verify the results you calculate matches the hash that was posted up by a miner. So they're not really seeing anything, and in, I don't. I don't really see how that's going to be an issue. It's just a transaction, just the way transactions happen on the current Ethereum uh, virtual machine. So we can still have a city chain and have it uh, adhere to the principles of decentralization, uh, and it would still be more efficient and more trustful. Is that correct? Yes. So that leads us and more by the way, into I just the, want to point out yeah? this is just the one idea I have and it is no one is thinking about it but it's just a possibility for our an Oh no discussion. people are thinking about it. They Jingdong just started a uh, blockchain and AI uh, think tank over in Nanjing and they're talking about doing something called city as a service which is a yes. pretty cool concept. I, I'm pretty yeah, excited I like about it. that myself. It, it seems natural to me. Yeah. So in terms of the future state of the, of the development ecosystem, uh, what do you, where do you think we're at in, in terms of that? Well, we were able to get uh, distributed apps up and open and accessible, but I think there's a lot of room for improvement. There was a lot of room for improvement and it's constantly being improved. I want to give a shout out to the Truffle Suite guys who are doing an amazing job. Um, they are a team in consensus that are able Can to... Can you do the Truffle Shuffle? You're <laughs> the Truffle Shuffle. Come on! <laughs> no, 
But they've created a suite that allows developers to get on board and participate in this ecosystem. They provide the language for um, taking Solidity contracts, uh, deploying it to the blockchain, debugging it, and a whole sort of tool, set of tools that makes a developer's life easier. So now that you've mentioned Truffle, I'm going to have to follow up. And for the for all of us out there that aren't intimately familiar with Truffle, will you explain a little bit more about you know what that is, what your involvement is, and and maybe talk about what TruffleCon is going to do? What is it next week? Uh, all oh, yeah. I know is they do something with smart contracts. Can you tell us more? First, you got to do the Truffle yeah. Shuffle. They allow you to to create a build environment to develop your contracts, test your contracts, and deploy it. And they provide a development environment with uh, development blockchains for you to go through your contracts and see how it behaves in different states. All in all, it gives you a very professional suite of tools uh, to develop smart contracts. And it's a new space. And people are coming up with new ideas and different ways to, to, to for their developer workflow. And so, what Truffle so make... is doing is showing. This is. Go ahead. If I want to make a DAP, a decentralized application, can I do that with all of the Truffle tools, or do I need other tools besides just the Truffle tools? What else would I use to make my DAP? You, you would need the Truffle tools, which comes with the latest version of Solidity. You would write your smart okay. contract in Solidity. You would then write your tests, um, possibly in JavaScript, uh, which is well-known. Um, then you would deploy it. And that was all from the Truffle suite uh, tools. So you just mentioned uh, some some key terms here that I think we should revisit. You say you you know make your tests. Explain to me what you mean by making tests. Is that just essentially testing your code? Are you debugging your smart tracks at that point? Is that what you mean? Yeah, you could have a contract. Say you have an auction, and an auction being that you put an item for sale or to be bid upon and different people could bid on it. Um, so one of the conditions are you want to make sure that the person who's selling cannot make a bid on his own sale because that would be unethical. He would be affecting the price of this auction. So in, in Solidity, you have ways of making sure this doesn't happen. So you would write tests to ensure this scenario would not happen, where you would have a test that says, make sure seller cannot make a bid, and you ah. would run it. It's so like test or like another word for if-then statement. Like an if-then statement there. Um, no, I wouldn't say that. Tests Well, a are... dev wouldn't. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like an if-then um, statement to me. Basically, you could think of it as uh, your contract is a contract and you write tests 
to verify the different conditions of your tra- contract. Fair. So let's talk about contracts. Before we keep moving with what we're planning on talking about, I feel like we need to follow up for a minute and have you talk about smart contracts. Because everyone's talking about blockchain and everyone's talking about smart contracts and how important they are to the system. Can you, can you just tell everyone out here, what is a smart contract? Sure. A smart contract is another way to transfer value between entities, but it's based on certain state information. For example, if we were to have a lottery contract, many people could enter that contract and they would put up, uh, uh, they would buy in and that money would be in an escrow account for that. And then a winner would be selected and that winner would get a payout. And that introduces some state information. You have, state would be the number of participants. Uh, state would also be the number of, the value, the current value of the, of the lottery contract that's in escrow. And then the payout would be based, would, be, would go to the winner or winners of the lotto, of the lottery. And then those winners would be eligible to receive the value of, of the lotto event or the, the lotto, lotto winnings event. So Can you try to boil that down to a uh, full retard level? Yeah, a lot of people are going to enter a lottery, but only the winners are going to be able to withdraw the money. And you can only know that if you track who the winners are and who paid in. And also, in the event that you want the lottery canceled for whatever reason, you have a list of people that you can return their money to. And that's all done through state or smart contract management. That's management of state on a smart contract. So, so when you I say... That. I don't understand <laughs> it. Oh, no, I, I got that. When you say state, what do you mean? State? State. State of grace? State of... State? state of New York? Um, state or stake? A-T-E. State. State. Yeah, what is state? Yes, right. no? State is this, this concept of... Let's see. Think of a Satisfied, bank account. unsatisfied. Think of a bank account. If you, want to ha- if you want to model a bank account, what's important? What do you need to know? Well, it's easy to modify mine. You just put a zero there okay but you would have to put that zero on a property that would be your balance so balance is a state and state changes over time state changes through the interaction or the api where you could either withdraw or deposit or so state uh, is a discrete number beg your pardon state is a discrete number it could be a number it could be a list of strings. For example, uh, these are the people that are allowed to withdraw money from Nick's account. So that's part of the state. The list of authorized users. Um, that's another state variable. Um, the balance 
is another one. And even the uh, beneficiaries so the, for uh, your account could be another state. So the smart contract monitors changes in state. Correct. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, okay, now I got it. And that's why... Okay. This is, this is also why on the Ethereum virtual machine, when transactions have been mined and put into a block, all the other miners have to verify it. Because once those transactions are executed, it changes the state of the virtual machine. So when we get a new block that's mined, all the functions that were run, all the transactions, they have to run those transactions to generate the new state. And that new state is going to be hashed. And if that hash matches what the original person posted, hey, we've reached consensus. And that's why it's done this way. Because they have to account for state. Nice. Well, there you go. Shout out to NYPD as well. Thank you for that, Siren. That's why we're going to have devs on this show oh, give us a in-the-weeds perspective. I'm becoming educated just in the first <laughs> 20 minutes of our podcast. Great. Uh, next question. What tools do you use to develop your blockchain apps? Well, well I think you mentioned Truffle. I use Solidity. Truffle exclusively. And I exclusively would recommend Truffle. Yes. And I use All right, moving on along. First, you got to do the truffle shuffle. What features would you like to see come to developing blockchain apps? Well, whatever tools come, I want them to be easy to use and communicate. I'd like to see better integration between the truffle suite and errors that I may have while I'm developing. As you know, develop, this, this entire ecosystem is new. It is moving. Things change quickly. And it would be nice if my environment or development environment were able to say, hey, uh, this might be related to this particular issue. And we have the technology to be able to do this. Um, I'd also like to see I mean, that's just a personal thing. I just like to see more sharing between developers, more um, more opportunities to pair programming with others. Um, yeah. So, but is oh, that something? Oh, on forest testing. Go ahead. I would love to be able to, if I'm writing an app for the main chain, I would love to be able to to get a copy of the of the current state of the main chain, so I could experiment without burning uh, ether. Uh, I could just do it locally, uh, but start from the current state of the uh, the main net, as opposed to the test net. And, uh, well, the test net would have a different state. I would just yeah. like to have the current state of the main net because the app that I'm writing or the app that I'm writing depends on state that's already there, uh, so I could okay. check very specific uh, conditions. So, Vitalik, if you're listening, please implement those changes. Thank you. And the next question is, should blockchain consolidate around one language? Or is there an ideal language in your mind that you know, people should be adopting or adapting? Not, not really. Um, well, for Ethereum, 
it's a stack-based virtual machine. I know that doesn't make sense. What what is important is that what gets run on the Ethereum machine is some sort of bytecode assembly language. How we get to that final stage to me is not that important. What is important is to allow every developer to be able to express themselves in the language that they choose. Um, there are people that can do very amazing things with functional programming. People that can that are well versed in C sharp, C plus plus, or whatever language that they are comfortable with. These concepts of, about writing smart contracts are nothing new, but they have to be explored, and people should be allowed to explore it in the language that they feel strongest in or best support the abstractions that they're doing for their particular application. And I would support a system where they write it in their language, but it gets transpiled or compiled to that eventual code uh, that would be utilized by the virtual machine. And this would create a better community because you could all talk in your, your own language, explain sophisticated ideas, but then have a universal translator that makes it work on a particular machine. And so you is, get the is that how you work? I beg your do pardon? you work by by do you work by writing in the language you know best, like C plus plus or uh, Java or whatever, and then do you then write it into Solidity or how does that work exactly? Uh, did you have to teach yourself Solidity and now you sort of think directly into Solidity? Solidity, or do you... For contracts, I write it in Solidity because I like the language. It's, it just seems natural to me. I like the ideas of what it has in terms of function uh, modifiers. And modifiers, we were talking about uh, an example earlier, like a, a person for an auction contract who's selling a particular item should not be allowed to... But, uh, to make a bid. <clears throat> so in a bid contract or the bid function, you could have a modifier that says only not the seller, which would translate to if the person trying to execute this function is the seller, this transaction will not allow, would not be allowed to continue. So you have a lot of these preconditions up front and for me, I like writing in this manner. You know, just short circuit out and don't burn grass <laughs> as you do it. Because as you know, Nick... Don't waste that uh, ether. The deeper you go into code, the more gas you pay. So um, I think that leads to an, a good question that's probably for those people who don't follow the dev part of things. Uh, would you say Ethereum is the hottest crypto out there in terms of investment potential, or you just don't even think about the investment potential, you just code, 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 or what are you thinking about in terms of all the different coins out there? You got any, any hot tips for us? Uh, to be honest, I don't really think about the financial aspect of it. I think more about how can we make this better? How can we get more people involved? I think that's 
that's what's important. Uh, you can only build faith in a system by getting more people involved. And you get more people involved by solving problems, not making a few people rich. But is there any projects that excite you besides Ethereum? No, not right now. And that's just simply because I haven't looked at what's out there. So take that with a grain of salt. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, so, I, you know, every time I ask someone about Ethereum, I get mixed messages from people. Like, people like, I don't know, it, it depends on really who you are and what you do. I get a lot of people that say, yeah, Ethereum is going to be around forever because everybody's hopped on Ethereum and it's just, you know, the best way to get started. And they have a, a lot of people that I hear saying it's really inefficient and it's just really not the best blockchain. So slow. What, you what's hear? your take on this? Like, do you think it's going to be around, like, as the, you know, a long-term thing? Or is it just the first one here? What are we talking about when we talk about Ethereum and its staying power? So, I just want to dissect what you just said in terms of what is Ethereum. For me, Ethereum is not the value store. Ethereum is the community around it. Ethereum is the collection of lessons we're learning to solve these problems. Ethereum, you could think of as this living organism that is trying to survive in this world and do things. It's going to make mistakes, but it will evolve. Is it going to be the same thing in five years that it is now? I don't think so. We will learn and we will be better. And from an investment point of view, whether you want to put your money to see it grow, I don't think that is the right call. I think the right call is investing your time and making the system better. Because whatever we learn from this experiment can be applied to what comes later. Yeah, learn by trial and error and then just and keep working. And keep in mind, I, I think you had that. mentioned this earlier before, even block, if blockchain and Bitcoin is experimental. They are learning. We are learning. New things will come, will come out of this. But the community will stay the same and get smarter. And we will have a lot of foundation in place to, make, to do the right thing for the, for yeah. the so, idealized... So Ethereum or smart contract platform. It sounds like then that you think that Ethereum will evolve instead of being, you know, superseded by a new, better, faster, more efficient technology. Yeah, it could adapt those pieces or the brain trust will move on to a different system. But the, what's important is the knowledge is not going to be lost. And the knowledge will be utilized for better in the future. That is my personal opinion. I think that's a good note to end on. Is there is there anything else that we should ask or do you wish we would have asked? <laughs> no. Well, before guys... we get there, there's, there's one question that I have to ask you and I'm going to ask every dev that we have on the show is what is the biggest solution 
that you think that blockchain can solve? Like, what is what is the number one thing that you're so excited about blockchain? You know, bringing efficiencies or solving problems for whatever it is, and many things are important, but the idea is getting more people involved, getting more people's more people involved for voting. Um, for news, for participation. For me, the biggest problem that we have right now is exacerbated by social media. And I think we can get more people involved in the the ecosystem or the contract around blockchain, the better better society could be. I know, I like that. kind of a hedge, but it, it's very, it's very open. I like the trust-based aspect of it, and I, we, all around the world, people are underrepresented for the most part by the people they choose to lead them, and I hope that changes. And you think blockchain can help with that? I do. Like blockchain voting. Blockchain voting. Even. Yeah, we can get some blockchain voting projects on here. It's an interesting use case for sure. And one of the thing, one of the projects out there that I really like, I forget the name right now, but they use blockchain to track refugees to make sure that these refugees are taken care of, um, go through the set of services that are available for them. Imagine the logistic nightmare of this. You, know, you just need. I think a you can even. They, they can even pay uh, with with the credit system that they have. Yeah, that's only going to become a bigger problem to solve with climate change. I think it's definitely going to be a huge use case to use. Yeah. Uh, and now, what, I'm sorry, I cut Nick off. <laughs> Is there anything else that we should have asked you about blockchain? Uh, no, but I do have a question that I'd like. Nick to ruminate on. Ooh. Nick. <laughs> That's my trick, man. Introduce Ask the interviewee the question. Go ahead. How can we what? Introduce, introduce credit, a credit system to blockchain. Have you seen anything related to credit? Because credit yeah, is the there's, underlying... There's lots of people. Huh? There's lots of people who are trying to make a... to enact loans on the blockchain... I mean, there's tons of projects that just do that. And, you know, with my company, we're trying to figure out what the best solution for doing credit ratings on the blockchain. Um, you know, if you look at the way credit ratings are um, on the Internet, or you mean just in America, you know, you have your FICO score, and that's just for America. And then in China, you have a credit score that's just for China, your, your Sesame score. Um, how do you transpose those across borders is really difficult right now. Um, so yeah, those are solutions that are, you know, I don't know, four or five years down the road, but for sure, uh, there's lots of people, yeah, yeah, lots of people dealing with, you know, credit rating layers that you could superimpose on top of your own, uh, DAP or specific blockchain. It's happening. 
Well, Amal, I think this is a really good introduction to you as a developer and to、uh, kind of a developer take on blockchain. I look forward to having a lot more insight and to learn a lot more from your take.、Um, thank you very much. Nick, do you have anything else? Yeah, I think we've learned today that blockchain is going to、uh, make the world more equitable. It's going to solve the healthcare problems that we have in America and how expensive it is. It's going to solve voting. It's going to solve social media. It's going to solve storage, data storage. It's going to solve credit ratings.、Uh, there's a lot of potential out there for blockchain, and I hope that we can continue to explore all of those different avenues here on Block Runners. And we're going to have myself and DigiB and Dr. Lowe. For the rest of the world. He's not graduating yet. <laughs> Dr. Blockchain Lowe. <laughs>